What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another week. This is Pastor James, and today, at the request of our Wednesday night crowd, we are going to jump back into the Old Testament and study the book of Proverbs. And I'm so very excited to do this, as this book was one of the most instrumental books of my first days as a Christian. And when I first got saved as a 16-year-old, I was a junior in high school, And a very special woman named Juana Reynolds uh, gave me a daily devotional book that had short passages from Psalms and Proverbs. And it was a perfect gift because I do not enjoy reading, as I have said many times before. And these small passages with very practical applications spoke so much to me. And it didn't take long for me to find a verse that I wanted my life to be based on, which was Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6. And I will read that for you really quick before we get started. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. As a young man, I did not have a clue about how to pursue the Lord when I first got saved. And I really had to trust in Him, despite my inability to understand a lot of uh, things in spiritual matters. And Proverbs is a wonderful book because it is so easy to understand and applicable. It's easy to read. Um, As I said, it's pretty easy to understand. And it's so easy to apply to our lives if we simply have faith in the truth that it offers and believe it and then apply it. Alright, let's do some background study on this book before we begin to actually read the verses and study the writings. So first of all, Proverbs is classified as a book of poetry. And this doesn't mean that it rhymes, uh, but it simply means that there is a beauty of the repetitive expressions found in this book. Now, everything in it is parallel with itself. So, each chapter and each verse may be saying something completely different in the way that it's worded, but the meaning is the same, and it's constantly conveyed throughout the entire book. Now, there are five poetical books in Scripture. All right, So, you have the book of Job, the book of Psalms, the book of Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes, and the book of Song of Solomon. So if you ever wonder why the books of the Bible are in the order that they appear, it's because they are grouped with books that are similar to them. And so this is why whenever you look at at the books of the Bible, the first five books are the books of the law, also called the Torah. And those first five books, while being the books of the law, are also lumped with the following 12 books And they make up the books of history. And that's really important to know and understand. Now, after the books of history, you have the five books of poetry. The next are the five major prophets. Lamentations is a major prophet, but it's also considered a little bit of a poetical book because it has some poetical rings to it. Um, And then the rest of the Old Testament are the minor prophets. Now, when you get in the New Testament, you have the four Gospels. The book of Acts follows immediately as a historical book. The next 21 books are the epistles. And and the very last book of Revelation is prophecy. And so maybe as you're studying scripture and you're looking at like, okay, why is the Bible ordered the way that it is? Why are all the books that way? Because it's obviously not chronological. 
maybe it'll help you to understand that they are lumped with books that are like themselves. And that kind of helps you as you're reading to understand these, these books kind of have the same themes in those sections. So Proverbs, with it being a poetical book, is right in the middle of all of the other poetical books. And if you can kind of imagine those books being a sandwich, Proverbs is right in the middle. So basically, it's the meat of the meal. Um, and it is all about wisdom. So basically, the meat of this whole thing is wisdom. And it's not an unattainable or theoretical wisdom, but it is practical, useful, and applicable to anyone who would seek it. And when we begin to dig into Scripture, I think it's always important to know the who, what, when, where, and why of the books of the Bible. And so as we look at the book of Proverbs, there are actually two who's that you have to answer when you're talking about any book of the Bible, but Proverbs as well. And so the first who is who wrote it. And the answer is Solomon. He is credited with the vast majority of the book of Proverbs from chapters 1 through chapters 29. Then a man named Agur, which we know nothing about, is credited for chapter 30. And then um, for chapter 31, there's a man named Lemuel, which we also know nothing about. And uh, the second who that we have to answer is, is who is it written to? And people differ on this, um, on their opinions. And if you look at chapter 1 and the second verse, it says that the purpose of these uh, Proverbs is to teach people, which is kind of a generic term, uh, and it's to teach them wisdom and discipline. So that's kind of like the purpose. That's why it's written. And so there's something uh, somewhat of a generic audience that's inferred in that passage. However, when you read the majority of the chapters, many of them are addressed, my child or my son or my sons. And so let's take a moment to look at Solomon, who was credited for writing the vast majority of it. Solomon was a man with many women. In 1 Kings says that Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And if Solomon had an intimate relationship with half of these women, you can only imagine how many children Solomon had or sons that he could have had. So with Solomon being king, <clears throat> his duties would have been very demanding and leaving his many sons that he potentially would have had <coughs> with little to no fatherly interaction. And that's important. So some uh, scholars believe that Proverbs would have been this ingenious way to pour the wisdom that God had given Solomon into his many sons to the best of his ability since he would not have had the time nor the ability to interact with all of them to give them the attention and the teaching that they would have deserved. So many scholars believe that this, the, the second who that we need to answer is, <clears throat> is that Proverbs was written to Solomon's many sons. All right, so in answering that, we also kind of dealt with the answers of <clears throat> when it was written, because it was written during Solomon's reign. We've dealt with the where, because if it was written by Solomon, then it was written in Israel. And the why, because he wrote it to his sons, and he wanted them to have wisdom, and he was... Uh, wrote it to teach people wisdom. So regardless of who it was written to, it was definitely written to teach wisdom to somebody. 
Now, we've already said that with uh, Proverbs being the meat of the poetical books, <clears throat> being right in the middle of that sandwich. So let's talk more about the what, like what is in the book of Proverbs <clears throat> and what is going on in this. So this book takes <clears throat> excuse me, every man and divides him into two different classifications. You have the wise man and the foolish man. And it's really important to understand that there's no in-between and there is no other. You're either wise or you're foolish. And Solomon is credited with over 3,000 proverbs and was more than qualified to write these proverbs due to the amount of wisdom that God had given him. Scripture tells us that Solomon was the wisest man to have ever lived. And many scholars believe that Solomon <coughs> not only wrote his own proverbs, but also used proverbs that had probably been um, said for, for generations, potentially, that had been orally passed down from generation to generation. And basically, Solomon just took a lot of these and then took a lot of the wisdom that God gave him and then included them all in this book accordingly and organized them in kind of an orderly fashion to give to his sons uh, so that they could read it and benefit from it. Now, the fact that Solomon would take Proverbs that other people had uh, said and use them in this book should definitely not take away from the spiritual aspect of it for anyone. So if you're sitting here today and you're like, oh, well, that's if you know God didn't give him this, if this wasn't original to Solomon, then it doesn't mean as much. But you have to understand that wise people recognize wisdom and they're willing to use it and apply it in their own lives. So <clears throat> not all of us are perfect or or have all the knowledge that we need. And so <clears throat> I can't tell you how many times in, in my ministry that I've used things that other people have said and, and things that other people have written to form sermons and lessons and things. So I think it's important to know that all people who serve God are constantly pulling from a vast array of sources of other people who are serving God to the greater honor and glory of God himself. And that's really important to understand as we read this because even if God didn't specifically give this proverb to Solomon, Solomon heard it and realized that it was true and it was applicable and yet God still gets the glory because God doesn't have to necessarily whisper wisdom into Solomon, but God can reveal wisdom to Solomon even through other people because Solomon, even though he was the wisest man in all the world, he was not perfect, and he was not God, and he could have received wisdom in various ways throughout his life, and the gift of wisdom was something that he could use to apply that in many different ways. So <clears throat> it's a really cool concept and understanding to know that, that Solomon organized and compiled all these things for uh, his sons or people to benefit from in the wisdom. So we know that this book is divided up in three distinct sections. <clears throat> in chapters 1 through 10, they focus highly on young men. And this seems logical if the book is going to be directed at Solomon's sons, whom he has no time to raise. 
So it would only make sense that it would focus on the young man to learn and equip him for living a wise life in the Lord. And then the second section, which is chapters 11 through 20, deals with uh, basically the everyman or the average man, if you will. Doesn't really matter the age, but the situation, circumstances, relationships that it deals with is something that anybody could be dealing with. So as the, the son would grow and mature... Uh, the chapters would be more meaningful as they go on through life. Now, the uh, third chapter is it, uh, or the third section, I'm sorry, is not a distinct age group, but <clears throat> it um, really directly deals with the council for kings and rulers. Now, it's difficult to see how if this book was just written to generic people so that they could learn from it, it's really difficult to understand why they would need a an entire third of this book to be designated for people who would be a king or a ruler. But if it's written to Solomon's sons, then it makes perfect sense because every son would have had the ability to be a king. He would have been in line for a king. They may not have ever gotten close to being king, but they were always eligible if enough people died, they would be eligible to be king. But more than likely, all of them were going to end up in some form of ruling, whether it be in a small fashion or a large capacity. So Proverbs is dealing with all these things. It's dealing with young men, the average man. Kings and rulers is kind of like leading them into that important role. And, and it's been my experience that the, the people who seek the Lord and seek wisdom and the people that God is blessed with wisdom, whether they want the leadership or not, it seems like those people are always elevated to leadership, even if they're not seeking it. And that's really important to realize and understand. So um <clears throat> Another thing is is that Proverbs deal with a variety of relationships. And in this book, we see wise advice on our relationships with God, on our relationships with neighbors, with our children, with our parents, our spouses, and even inappropriate relationships and how to avoid them. And this same theme runs through all three sections as people who are the most unpredictable variables of all. And you need to understand that, that people are the ones who are unpredictable. Like situations and circumstances in the world repeat themselves regularly. And we can gain wisdom and understanding in in different situations and circumstances. But the people in those are the ones that are the unpredictable variables. And it takes great wisdom to deal with those people. And worldly wisdom will not work because worldly wisdom cannot know what's in people's hearts or predict their behavior, but God knows what's in people's hearts. God knows what people are going to do, and He can predict their behavior, and He can give wisdom to us on how to deal with people in these relationships. So the relationship aspect of this wisdom is incredible throughout the whole book. And uh, as you begin to read, you see that Wisdom is valued greatly. And you can see this because wisdom is given a feminine title in this book by Solomon. And so I'll give you an example of Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20, where Solomon writes, Wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. 
She calls to the crowds along the main street to those gathered in front of the city gate. And so it's really important to know that wisdom is valued so much that she is regarded in female form as a woman. Wisdom is a thing of beauty. Wisdom is something that should be appreciated, cherished, loved, and cared for, just like a woman should be to every man. As a woman is a constant companion and, and makes every man better, the right woman that is, wisdom is a constant companion and makes every man better. As many men will refer to their boats, their cars, or their prized possessions as a female thing, and then they give that thing a feminine name. Solomon also refers to his most prized possession, which is wisdom, <clears throat> as a beautiful lady to be loved and cherished. So wisdom is by far the most important thing to Solomon. And it's so amazing to realize that as, as when God said, Ask for anything and I'll give it to you. And wisdom was the only thing that Solomon asked for. So we see what he truly values in his life. And we see how he has used that to serve and honor God in various different ways. And so, one theologian said that the the book of Proverbs could be likened to John chapter 1, the gospel of John that is. And as you can substitute the name of Christ in the first several verses, verses 1 through 5, and you take where it says, in the beginning was the Word, and you can substitute the Word with Christ. And so in the beginning was Christ. Christ was God. He was in God. And through Christ, all things were created in the same way you can look in the book of Proverbs And you can take wisdom and substitute Christ in for wisdom. And and it's really neat to see that because just as God wants to give Christ to every individual, it's important to see that God also wants to give wisdom to every individual. And in essence, godly wisdom is Christ. Christ is godly wisdom. Everything about Christ echoes Everything that God wants us to have, attain, and achieve. And so chapters, uh, chapter 1, verse 4, talks about how these Proverbs can give us insight to the simple. And it can give knowledge and discernment to the young. And so today, if you're, talk, if you're thinking about doing this study with us or reading the book of Proverbs... And you read about wisdom, and you may feel like, man, I'm not very smart. I just don't have a whole lot of knowledge. I don't have a whole lot of understanding. I'm not a good reader. Well, that doesn't matter. Because what Solomon is saying is that it doesn't matter if you are young and immature. And it doesn't matter if you are dumb and unintelligent. It doesn't matter. Whatever you're lacking... God offers his wisdom to anyone who would desire it and seek it. And James even wrote in his epistle later on in the New Testament, in James chapter 1, verse 5, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. And man, it's so important to realize that all of Scripture 
reinforces the teachings in the book of Proverbs on wisdom. It's readily available for anyone that would genuinely seek it and ask for it. And so when it comes to your Heavenly Father, you should never question whether or not He wants you to have wisdom. But He offers it freely to anyone who would ask. And it's not worldly wisdom. We're not talking about intelligence. We're not talking about the ability to build a rocket that would fly to the moon, much less land on it. And would support a human life being on it and getting that walk. You don't even have to be intelligent. What God is saying is that anyone who loves him and wants to serve him and wants to seek his face, godly wisdom is readily available for anyone who would ask it. And so as we finish up today, let's make sure that we understand really what we're dealing with. Wisdom is the meat. It's the nourishment, the most valuable, the prize of anyone who wants to follow God. Wisdom is the gold standard in this. And as Solomon explains the purpose of his Proverbs in chapter 1, verse 7 gives us incredible insight into wisdom because it says, Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So today... If you want wisdom, you need to understand that you should have a healthy fear of God. There should be a fear of punishment. There should be a fear of disappointment. There should be a fear of failure. There should be a fear of your heavenly Father. And you cannot even begin to aspire to godly wisdom until you have a healthy fear of the one that can offer it to you. And so today as we close out, I ask you, do you want wisdom? Well, you need to fear God and begin to ask for it. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father in heaven, thank you so much for today and for everything you've given us and blessed us with. I pray that you would speak into our hearts and minds, that you would reveal amazing things to us. Jesus, as we seek your face and we study this book, I pray that you would pour out your wisdom on anyone who would be willing to believe in your word and have faith in you and who would seek the wisdom that you have to offer. Help us to have a better understanding of who you are and what you desire from us. And Lord, we love you and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, we want to thank you for tuning in for another week. As always, we love you. We're praying for you. We hope you can tune in um, on Facebook, YouTube, or podcast. But even more, we hope to see you in person at our services at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. We love you. We're praying for you. Have a great week.